بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. So the first the first chapter of of eight sub chapters. Okay, shall we start with it or delay it? Okay, can we keep it to the end of the session? So the first. This book, the book of breaking the two desires and disciplining the soul, has eight chapters in in inside it. I have merged some of them. The first of them it talks about the merits of of, uh, of hunger and the, the benefits of it. And uh, Imam Al Ghazali, rahimahullah taala, counts many benefits. One of them that we can notice throughout the the texts that he quotes, and I have quoted only the texts that Imam Al Iraqi has mentioned. That They have asl that he found. He found them in other books of hadiths. Uh, the, there is a narration from uh, Sayyidah uh, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, which is narrated by Imam Bayhaqi in Shu'ab al-Iman, that the companions of the Prophet sallallahu used to observe hunger without any need. So, in fact, observing hunger is not just a response to religious obligations, as we do. We uh, we observe hunger when we're commanded to in the month of Ramadan, or as as a way of of uh, of gaining reward. So the Sahaba of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam understood that hunger, in essence, is a way of disciplining the soul, and it is something that 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 is to be practiced in order to uh, to 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 obtain health, even not for for religious reasons. And that's why we find it quite common in other. Uh, ideologies and paths and beliefs, uh, Buddhists and uh, Christian monks. In fact, it's kind of a universal, uh, uh, universal action and is a universal act that is normally observed uh, by by even uh, animals, uh, abstaining from certain uh, from from certain activities and from certain foods and stopping from eating for for certain periods of the year and all of that uh, as as a way. Of, of of attaining health. Obviously, it is they don't do it with an intention, but it is uh, it's a kind of uh, of something that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has instilled in their nature, in their natural disposition that brings about benefit to them, and that's why it is known that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Sumu tasihu, sumu tasihu, fast and attain health. If you fast, you attain health." Sumu tasihu, and uh, the other uh, hadith that we we quote here as well is from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam who said, "Inna Allah Taala yubahi al-malaikat biman qalla matamuhu wa mashrabu." يقول الله تعالى انظروا إلى عبدي ابتليته بالطعام والشراب في الدنيا فصبر وتركهما اشهدوا يا ملائكتي ما من أكلة يدعها إلا أبدلته بها درجة في الجنة. Almighty Allah glories before his angels regarding the one who eats and drinks a little in this world, saying, look at this servant of mine. I tested him with food and drink in this life, and he abstained and left them. Bear witness that I grant him levels in paradise for every meal that he leaves. And this hadith is narrated by Ibn Uday fi al-Kamil. And uh, that, that, that hadith shows that why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is glorying his angels with the son of Adam, because the son of Adam willingly aims to uh, achieve or to attain the level of angels. 
When he does that, he aims at attaining and being similar to angels. Because angels don't eat and they drink, don't drink and they, they don't have intimacy, they don't have sexual desire. But they, when they do that, they do that without a will. They are created in this way. And there is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which he says, أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ أَحْمَزُهَا أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ أَحْمَزُهَا That the most beloved action or the most beloved deed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the most difficult ones. أَحْمَز means the most difficult one. أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ أَحْمَزُهَا The most difficult deed is the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Due to the amount of difficulty, and due to uh, the, 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 the amount of suffering that the person has to face before he achieves that. So with the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created angels in such a way that they don't have a, a will, they don't feel the pain of not eating, they don't feel the pain of not drinking, they don't feel the pain of not of restraining themselves from their sexual desires. So they attain this without any suffering, without any problems. That's why in the hadith of Siyam, which is narrated by Al-Bukhari in, uh, on the authority of Abu Hurairah, that the Prophet said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in the part of the hadith, يَتْرُكُ طَعَامَهُ وَشَرَابَهُ وَشَهْوَتَهُ مِنْ أَجْلِ Like he leaves his food and his drink and his desire for my sake. And there is an interesting thing. As a lot of ulama say, لَا نِيَّةَ فِي التَّرْكِ There is no intention in leaving. Normally when you leave something, when you abstain from something, when you abandon something, there is no intention. Like you stay away from adultery, you cannot say I have a good intention in staying away from adultery. And therefore there is no reward in abstaining from haram, because it's haram already. There is no reward in abstaining from haram. Because it is already haram, you're not supposed to do it. As much as there is no reward in doing what is wajib. Like you have to pray dhuhr. You can't say, well, I, I've got a reward, or I should be rewarded for doing what is wajib. Reward is for doing something which is not requested from you by means of obligation. Right? By means of obligation. Then you are rewarded for it. But if something is requested from you by means of obligation, fard upon you, you don't gain reward for it. What do you get? You get what we call clearing your responsibility from not fulfilling it. Like when you pray for, what do you get out of that? That it will, there will not be a mark in your record, or oh, you have not fulfilled dhuhr. You just have cleared the responsibility, ada, which we call ada in, in, in usul al-fiqh. Ada, which means performing something on time. Even qada, like performing something out of time. Performing dhuhr after the time of dhuhr has expired. What do you get when you do that? You just clear the responsibility of fulfilling it. Going to Salatul Jum'ah and attending Salatul Jum'ah. You just clear your responsibility from that. When will you get reward? Or if you go early. If you go early, then you get reward for going early, not for performing Jum'ah. If you do the Sunnah of Asr before, and if you do the Sunnah of Dhuhr before and after, it's the Sunnah that you will get reward for. <laughs> and that's why imagine if someone comes with the Day of Judgment and he has only done his Faraid. Only the obligations. Only the obligations. Will that get him into Jannah? Yes. But it will not give him any status. That's why the Bedouin who came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, 
Ayyukum ibn Abdul Muttalib. In the ninth year after the Hijrah, this man came from the middle of the desert. And he didn't know the Prophet ﷺ, but he knew his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. Because he was a famous leader in Quraysh. So he said, which of you is the son of Abdul Muttalib? And this man walked into the masjid with his camel. So he tied his camel in one of the, or one of the pillars. And he said, Ayyukum ibn Abdul Muttalib. Which, which one of you? is the son of Abdul Muttalib. So the Prophet Sallallahu said, it's me. Then he said, Allahu, like has Allah, Allahu, arsalaka, like has Allah sent to you as a messenger? He said, Allahumma na'a. And then he kept asking questions. Has Allah told you to tell us that we are required to, uh, to pray five times a day? Yes. And in every, after every question, he would say to the Prophet Sallallahu I would not do more than this. Like, I will not do it. Even when the Prophet said, Illa anta unless you want to do some voluntary act. Like, unless, yes, you pray five times a day, five, five, five times a day, unless you want to do some voluntary acts, then you can add. I will not add more than, more than what I've been told. The Prophet said, He'll be successful if he, or if he keeps that, he will enter paradise commentator said it means he will enter paradise but there is no increase and that's why the Prophet وسلم, said in another hadith that people will enter paradise for fulfilling the religious obligations that's in general but but they will share the different levels according to their deeds this is where the competition works so in reality, there is no reward in doing obligation. It's like you go to work from 9 to 5 every day. Then you get your salary, that's it. But you don't get any bonus. There is nothing extra. There is no reward. There is, rec there is compensation for your time. Your salary is a compensation for your time. So when you do your obligations, when you fast in the month of Ramadan, that's it. But if you want to fast six, six days in Shawwal, like Mondays and Thursdays, this is where the competitions happen. You know the basics of Islam. Then there is no merit in, in what you do. You're just fulfilling the requirements of being a Muslim. Same thing, when you leave something, there is no reward in leaving. When you abandon something, you say, well, I'm not going to steal. No one can say, um, uh, you, you, you cannot imagine a person saying, I'm not going to steal, please reward me for not stealing. The only situation, the only action, which the person can be rewarded for in leaving is fasting. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in, in reality, leaving something, abandoning something, staying away from something, does not bring you reward. There is no intention in that, and there is no reward in that, apart from just clearing yourself from the responsibility. The only situation where you can have an intention when you stay away is fasting. In all the madhahib, you have to have an intention, whether you have it every day, as Shafi'iya require, or you have it at the beginning of the month, and that covers you for the whole month as the ahnaf. Require so you have to have an intention for fasting. So the only time when you have an intention is to stay away from food. He leaves his food, his drink, and his sexual desire for my sake. So say that Aisha, uh, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, 
in this hadith he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala glories the angels regarding the one who eats little or the, regarding the one who leaves food and drink because he brings himself to a level of angels and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights this aspect I tested him with food and drink and he abstained and left them bear witness that I will grant him levens in paradise for every meal that he leaves why? because this individual has made himself willingly similar to angels in the other hadith which we actually should, should think deeply about the hadith narrated by Sayyidina Rasulullah the hadith from Rasulullah the hadith is in al the son of Adam feels no container worse than his abdomen bihasb ibn Adam aw hasb ibn Adam hasb ibn Adam luqaymat yuqimna sulbah wa in kana la budda fathuluthun li ta'amihi wa thuluthun li sharabihi wa thuluthun li nafasihi that enough for the son of Adam a few morsels of bread with which he can maintain his life. If he has to eat more, then one third for his food, one third for his drink, and one four, uh, third for his, for his breath. And we will see later on that actually the third is the maximum, it's not the minimum. The third is the maximum, it's not the minimum. As, the, as, as we, will, we will see later on, inshallah ta'ala. But the, point, the, the, the word that is quite uh, interesting in this hadith is this word, container. Like none, the son of Adam never fills a container worse than his abdomen. And the Prophet ﷺ describing this abdomen by, by calling it wi'a. And we know that the wi'a normally, or a vessel, or a container, takes from the what is put inside so if you if you put something that is clean this will be clean you can use it for other things if you put something that is filthy something that is unclean it will also shape the wi'a the wi'a and what is inside the wi'a the vessel and what is inside it they they share they take from each other so the fact that the Prophet ﷺ described the abdomen as a wi'a, right? In fact, when you put your, your hand on a vessel from outside, you can feel whether the drink out inside is hot or cold. Right? You will you'll be able to understand that. So in reality, you can turn your abdomen to become a wi'a of goodness or of badness and whatever appears on the body, whatever is displayed by the body, whether it's obedience or disobedience, is an outcome of what is inside this wi'an. Whatever you put into your tummy will manifest in your body. So that we, if, if you see someone in a state of disobedience or running away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in fact, if you uh, see that your body is weak in doing good deeds, is not listening to you, is resisting you, the reason could be that what you're placing in your tummy is wrong. It's haram. What you're put, the food that you're putting in your tummy is haram. And that's why your body is unable to, to listen to you. Sayyid Abu Hassan al-Shadili, rahimahullah ta'ala, says, وَهَبْنَا بَدَنًا هَيِّنًا لَيِّنًا بِطَاعَتِكَ Like grant us a body that is soft and able to follow us when we call this body to obey you. And Al-Imam Al-Busayri says in Al-Hamziya, وَإِذَا حَلَّتِ الْهِدَايَةُ قَلْبًا نَشَطَتْ لِلْعِبَادَةِ الْأَعْضَاءُ 
When guidance is placed in a heart, the limbs will be active in doing good deeds. Same thing, when you put something in your, in your tummy that is clean and that is pure, then the rest of the body will follow. In a long hadith that is also narrated from the Prophet in أقرب الناس من الله عز وجل من طال جوعه وعطشه وحزنه في الدنيا Like the closest of all people to Almighty Allah are those who have prolonged their hunger, thirst and sadness in this life. These are the ones who know the reality of this life and that it's life of deprivation and that is not the end. So whatever they, they eat here will decrease their enjoyment in the hereafter. And that's why they narrate from many of the salihin of the past that they used to, uh, when they used to avoid certain types of food, and their students would blame them for that. They said, every time I try to eat it, I remember, or I hear someone telling me, Ama tastahi? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? You want to enjoy it in the hereafter? You have left it for 40 years, and now you want to, you, you want to have it? Only a, a few more years and you will be enjoying it fully in the hereafter. Ibrahim ibn Adahim himself and Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala an, as is uh, narrated by Nafi' from Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu an, he said that one day Abdullah ibn Umar was very ill. And uh, after his, his illness, when he recovered, he, uh, he felt, he, uh, he craved for uh, grilled fish. So we looked for grilled fish everywhere in Medina and we couldn't find it. He said, فَطَلَبْنَاهَا أَيَّامًا We looked for it for many days until we managed to get one at the end. So when we got it, he was fasting. At the time of iftar, when we were serving it, someone was knocking the door, asking for, for some food. So he said, إِدْفَعَهَا إِلَيْهِ بِرَغِيفِهَا Give it with the, with the bread that is underneath it to him. So Nafi' said, I went to this man, to the... To the beggar, I said to Abdullah ibn Umar first, we can give him anything else. He said, give it to him. So I, I took it to the man. He said, فَدَفَعْتُهَا إِلَيْهِ ثُمَّ اشْتَرَيْتُهَا مِنْهُ بِدِرْهَمْ I gave it to him and then I bought it from him for one dirham. So he gave it to the beggar and he said, like I bargained with him. Would you give it up? Would you return it for a dirham? What would be better for you? To have a dirham or to have this, this fish? And he realized that... Like he can do a lot of things with a dirham. So he, he a, a agreed to give it back and he took a dirham. So he said, I brought it back to Abdullah ibn Umar. Then said, Abdullah ibn Umar said, give it back to him and don't take the dirham from him. <laughs> give it back to him and don't take the money from him. So this is like resisting one's, one's own desires. If you're fasting, for example, and you ha you're craving for a specific type of food at the time of iftar, and then... At that time, when that food is served, you give it out. That is very tough on the self. It's very tough on the self. But it's very enjoyable spiritually. So, and, and it comes from realizing that you have not done anything, as Imam al-Ghazali says in other places, in, in the chapter of, of fasting. He says you haven't done anything if you deprive yourself from food for the whole day and then at the time of the meal you take the, double the meal. You double your daily meal. Then you haven't done anything. Yes, we know that you are tightening the passages of shaitan throughout the day by not eating much. 
But then at the time of food, you're making, making the passage so loose for shaitan to, to mislead you. So he says, Rahimallah ta'ala, in another place in Al-Ihya, he says, and the one who eats double the meal at the end of a day of fasting hasn't done anything. Hasn't done anything to himself. In fact, he will be like a, a person who has a dog. He's deprived this dog from meat for a whole day. And then at the end of the day, he gave him double the amount of meat. Then he's not training him to give up. In fact, he's not training him to give up. He's just giving him what he wants. So the closest of all people to Almighty Allah are those who, pro who have prolonged hunger, thirst, and sadness in this life. They are the hidden, the righteous ones who, when they are present, are not recognized. They don't, they, they don't, they're not looking for name or fame. And when they are absent, they are not missed. He said, Sallallahu Earth spots know them. They are people of prostration and ibadah. And angels surround them. So they don't care about if people recognize them, if people don't recognize them. Because this whole thing about uh, fasting as we will, uh, and, and about observing hung, hunger and breaking the two desires can be quite dangerous as well. As we will see later on. Imam al-Ghazali will warn us in one of his chapters about the spiritual desire. The spiritual desire is more dangerous than the physical desire. Giving up the physical desire of food for the spiritual desire of fame or known to be a zahid or a person of zuhud and detachment is worse. Because a lot of people, a lot of people abstain from certain things just to be known. Oh, this is the person who, uh, who didn't eat for this number of days. Oh, this is the person who has observed this... Uh, this kind of spiritual discipline and he died in this state or he did this or he achieved that so that's an achievement that's more dangerous and more subtle than this as well so earth spots know them angels surround them people enjoy the pleasures of life and they enjoy the pleasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they enjoy the pleasures of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala people spread soft beds to relax themselves and their beds is their knees and foreheads in prostration. They prostrate. While people are relaxing, they are tiring themselves. People abandon the characters and actions of prophets and they preserve it. In the hadith, in that hadith, that people will, will, will abandon the actions and the characters of prophets. And we can see that nowadays. That the characters and, and, and actions of messengers and prophets are abandoned at all levels. Not just in food and drink and simple life. The life of Rasulullah was a very, very simple life. While the life of loads of, loads of people nowadays is very, is very complicated. And they preserve it. The earth cries when they are missed and the Almighty is displeased with every village wherein none of them is alive or none of them lives. Like these are the righteous people for whose sake Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers mercy upon us. They don't run to this world as dogs run to a carcass, to a dead body. They eat little, dress in rags, their heads are shaggy and their faces are dusty. People see them and think they're sick but they are not. And people say they are not in the right state of mind, as he says, 
فهم عند أهل الدنيا يمشون بلا عقول يقال إنهم قد خولطوا وذهبت عقولهم people look at them and they think that they why are you not enjoying this why are you not having that why are you living like this people think that these people are not in the right state of mind but the reality is as he says ولكن نظر القوم بقلوبهم إلى أمر أذهب عنهم حب الدنيا but these individuals have, have realized the reality of this life they realize the reality of death they realize the shortness of this life they realize that this is temporary and they will leave it so when you see that when you experience this it will be very easy for you to give up the desires like if any of you has as the prophet if any of you is to go through the experience of washing the dead body of of a person for a few days it will affect him he will be taken up he will be taken aback by that that it might make him lose appetite if you go through some traumatizing experience of any type you will not think about your food you will not think about your pleasures you will not think about your desires at all and then he says salawatullah salamu ذهبت عقول الناس عقلوا حين ذهبت عقول الناس they are the people who have their the, the proper state of mind when people have lost their minds لهم الشرف في الدنيا والآخرة like they have the honor in this life and in the hereafter إذا رأيتهم في بلدة فاعلم أنهم أمان لتلك البلدة if you see them in a, in a village or in a city or in a town these individuals bear in mind that this is the safety and the security for this city it's because of these individuals that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserves people spares people the punishments why because of these individuals even though they are despised and they are looked down upon and people don't care about them people don't uh, uh, realize their status or anything and if you're able to face until the hadith goes and if you uh, the prophet says Take these people as, as your brothers. These, are, these should be your real brothers. And if you are able to face death with an empty stomach, if you're able to face death with an empty stomach while your stomach is empty and your liver is thirsty, do that. For it is by this you will achieve noble stations. And you will dwell with prophets and angels will rejoice at your arrival. And subhanallah, if we, if we actually look and we just do a quick research on the amount of people who died while in a state of fasting, Sayyidina Nafisa radiallahu ta'ala anha, Sayyidina Nafisa, daughter of Imam al-Hasan al-Anwar, son of Imam Zayd al-Ablaj, son of Sayyidina al-Hasan ibn Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. When she passed away, she was fasting. And they said to her, have some water. And she said, no, I want to break my fast in the hereafter. I want to break my fast in the hereafter. Sayyidina Urwa ibn Zubayr, the great Sahabi of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the nephew of a Sayyidah, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, son of a Sayyidah Asma, bint Abi Bakr, the brother of Abdullah ibn Zubayr, and a great faqih, one of the great fuqaha of the Sahaba, he died 92 after the Hijrah. In his biography, they say, وَمَاتَ وَهُوَ صَائِمٌ خَالِدِ بْنِ مَعْدَانِ 
one of the great tabi'in, radiyallahu ta'ala'an, Yazid ibn Harun narrated that he died while in a state of fasting. Abu Ishaq al-Nisaburi, Abu Qulaba al-Jarami, one of the tabi'in, radiyallahu ta'ala'alayhi. Ibn Qudam al-Maqdisi, the very famous scholar, rahimahullah ta'ala, they said, قلل الأكلة حتى عاد كما هو حتى عاد كالعود like he reduced his food until he became like a, a little piece of straw ومات وهو عاقد أصابعه بالتسبيح and when he died he was doing tasbih on his fingers he was counting his fingers tasbih and loads of other people who died while being in a state of fasting they even mention in the in the biography of Al-Imam Ahmad ibn Ahmad ibn Ahmad al-Tibi, rahimahullah ta'ala, famous khatib of the Umayyad Mosque of the 10th century and a great grammarian scholar of, 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 of Tajweed and Qira'at, they said that towards the end of his life, he reduced his food until his food for every day was half a boiled egg. Hatta kana ta'amuhu fi akhiri umrihi nisfa baydatin masluqa. His food at the end of his life was half a boiled egg. And one of our teachers, Sheikh Ayman Rushdi Suwaid, mentioned that this could be because of his tasbih and his dhikr. That when the person remembers Allah frequently and is engaged in dhikr, that becomes his food. They even mentioned about Ibn Taymiyyah, that his student, Ibn Al-Qayyim, used to come to him every day at around 11 o'clock, like at the time of, of Salat al-Duha, and he would have found him having done a lot of dhikr and ibadah from Fajr all the, all, the, all the way to that. And he used to say to him, This is my lunch. This is my lunch. He said he used to sit in his musalla from after Fajr almost to the time of Duha, like 10 o'clock or something, for two, three hours doing dhikr and ibadah. So this is, uh, this is how they were. One of the benefits or the merits of, of hunger as well, as mentioned by uh, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, in his, when he addressed his hawariyin, his disciples, he says, O oh, disciples, cause your livers to hunger and your bodies to, to go naked that your hearts may behold God Almighty. Ya ma'ashar al-hawariyin, aji'u akbadakum wa'aru ajsadakum, meaning experience tough life. La'alla qulubakum antara allaha tabaraka wa ta'ala so that your hearts will be behold the almighty meaning if you the key to clarity and purity of the heart is through starvation and hunger that will make you able to behold a lot of things that's why we we will see later on that one of the salihin said how can a person aim or think that he will achieve the reality of dhikr while he places between his chest and his back a bag of food like how can you how can you ever think that dhikr will affect your heart if you place between your chest and your back a bag of food? There is a barrier between your heart and your back. When you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the requirements of dhikr is that you, you have to be in a state of, of, uh, of, of reception. Like you have to be in a state that enables you to receive this dhikr and to get the, the benefit of this dhikr. Like sometimes when you when you uh, when you go for a medical test, they say if you if you need this test to be accurate, you have to abandon food for twelve hours. You cannot eat for for twelve hours. 
Or if you want to take this medication and you want it to be effective, there are certain types of food that you cannot have with that. Anything that has got gluten or anything that has got sugar or anything like that. So if you keep eating the same type of food, even though you take the same medicine, the medicine will not be working. Not because it's ineffective, but because you're taking something that contradicts it. So Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam said that you have to work on your, on your heart very hard. And one of the key of that is to, to not to eat a lot. And the famous hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith is narrated by Abu Zinat from Al-A'rash from Abu Hurairah in Al-Bukhari and is narrated also in Imam Muslim and Al-Tirmidhi from Malik from Sahl ibn Abi Salih, from his father, from Sayyidina Abu Hurairah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Al-Mu'minu ya'kulu fi mi'an wahid, wal-kafiru ya'kulu fi sab'ati am'a. That a believer eats with one gut, while the disbeliever eats with seven. Or the believer eats with one stomach, and the disbeliever eats with, with seven. Some ulama said that this hadith is khas, is specific. And it talks about a specific uh, uh, occasion. When, the, when people from Ghifar came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to talk about, to, to, to accept Islam, a delegation from the tribe of Ghifar arrived in Al-Madin Al-Munawwara and they stayed for two days or more. During the day, they will sit with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he will teach them about Islam. And then at the end of the day, every Sahabi, every Madinian Sahabi will take a, a guest with him. This was their habit. They will take a guest with, the, with them home. So the Prophet wasallam happened to take a man called Jahjah al-Ghifari. Happened to take this, this man with him home. And it was the night of a Sayyidah Umm Salama radiallahu anha. So when he took him home, he asked the Sayyidah Umm Salama, do you have any food for our guest? And she said, Ya Rasulullah, we've got some milk. They had some goats at home. So she milked the goat and brought the milk and the man, Jahja, had it at one go. He finished all of it. And he was still hungry. So the Prophet wasallam, seeing that the guest is still hungry, he asked the Sayyidah Umm Salama to provide more. So she said, we, I continued milking the goats until I milked seven goats for this man. And next day, in the morning, the Prophet wasallam, took the man with him to, to the masjid. They had uh, discussions and teaching throughout the day. And same thing, every, at, the, at the end of the day, every Sahabi took the yesterday's guest with him back. And it happened that Jahjah came back with the Prophet وسلم, again to the same place, of, to the room of a Sayyidah, Umm Salama But this time she milked one goat and he had some sips of the milk and he gave the rest of the pot to the Prophet and said, Iktafaytu. Iktafaytu, I have had enough. So Sayyidah Salama was surprised. <laughs> she said to the Prophet Wasallam, isn't that the same guest who was here yesterday? What has happened to him? So the Prophet Wasallam commented with this hadith, that a believer eats with one stomach, and a disbeliever eats with seven. Some ulama said that this, this hadith was said about this specific individual, that others even said it could be another man, Abu Basr al-Ghufari, or Thumam ibn Athal, or Abu Ghazwan, or others. Any individual, like various individuals, who have been hosted by the Prophet Another interpretation of this hadith is that it is an example of a believer's detachment from the dunya 
and disbelievers' attachment to the dunya. That, and this does not describe, in reality, this descri- does not describe the reality of a believer, but it describes what a believer should be like. Because in reality, we can see a lot of Muslims who are so extravagant in their affairs, more than a lot of disbelievers, more than a lot of others. In fact, when we look at Ramadan, for example, and our extravagance of consumption of food, and we compare that, or even our dealing with day-to-day food, and our extravagance in a lot of waste that is coming from our tables, and we compare that to many others, like non-Muslims, who are very uh, economic in their usage of food, we realize that if, if we look at this, we can say that the hadith is not correct. But the reality is the Prophet says, this is how a believer should be. A believer should be an individual who, if he is detached from dunya, he is dealing with dunya in a very economic way. When a believer extravagantly deals with dunya and has a lot of this and a lot of that, he will become one of the people of dunya. When a believer extravagantly deals with dunya, he will become one of the people of dunya. Even though, in reality, he's a believer. So he's not supposed to be like this. While a disbeliever might be taking the character of a believer. Some ulama said, but it, it, could, it could also mean that an individual who fears Allah and his punishment and looking for Allah's reward in akhirah, and he is afraid of the punishment for haram, that stops him and makes him abstain from extravagance in desires. While a person who does not have a reference point, who doesn't have a reference point, and this is, this is again, this concept is very important when we talk about fasting, for example. Like some people look at fasting and say, why do you torture yourselves? You're looking at Allah's reward in Akhirah. Why do you have to go through all of this? So when we have a reference point, when we abstain from haram, when we have a reference point, it helps us abstain from haram. And the fourth commentary is that this refers to the desire itself. And this is what Sahal al-Tusturi, rahimahullah ta'ala, says. Sahal al-Tusturi, rahimahullah ta'ala, says that the desire for a person who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or what should be the desire of a person who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is just to eat. So your relation with food is, is just to eat. It's a means to live. It's not, a, it's, it's not a, an aim. It's not a destination. It's not the purpose of your life. So it's just something that keeps you alive. And if it's something that keeps you alive, it's like the fuel that you put in the car. There should be nothing more than that. It should not occupy in your life anything beyond being something. So when you eat, they say, تَأْكُلُوا بِالْفَاقَةِ وَالزُّهُدِ You eat while being in a state of poverty, while being in a state of detachment. You eat because you have to eat. And if you eat because you have to eat, and you realize that this is the status of food in your life, you will, food will not occupy more than this. This will be the status of food in your life. While a person who is a disbeliever, and he food occupies more than that, 
he, he counts, he says, Sharahun, Watamaun, Washahwatun, Wahirsun, Waragbatun, Wahaflatun, Wahada. These are seven desires that are attached to food. He counts them. One is Sharah, voracity, greed, voracity, and greed, and desire. So when the person eats, he eats with greed. Even if he has just eaten, some people eat because even though they are full, because they don't want to throw the food away or because this is free food, for example. Like it's, if it's free food or if I'm invited to food, uh, he just eats, he has just finished his food, like just eaten, but he eats again. Because why not? If it's free food, what's the, why, should I, why shouldn't I have some? And Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned that one of the things that will destroy the health is eating food after food. Like unfortunately in our day-to-day life, in us, like within, within, within Muslim communities, we have this bad habit. If someone has just eaten, we say just have a bit more. Right? Just have a little bit more. That will not harm. Actually, it does harm. Al-Ghazali rahimahullah mentions that one of the things that will, will cause uh, destruction to your health is al-aklu ala shiba'. They even said, إِيَّاكُمْ وَالْأَكْلُ عَلَى الشِّبَعْ فَإِنَّهُ يُورِثُ الْبَرَصِ Like don't eat while you are full because that will lead to leprosy. It will lead to leprosy. It leads to sickness. And we can actually see that. See that eating while the person is full. And subhanAllah, one of the, the things that, that, that is really, uh, that shows how simple was the life of the Prophet Sallallahu in Shama'il al-Tirmidhi, مَا أَكَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ فِي سُكُرُّجَةٍ The Prophet ﷺ has never had what we call nowadays pickles or appetizers. The Prophet ﷺ never had appetizers. Shaykh al-Islam al-Bajuri comments on that and he said he didn't need appetizers. We need appetizers in order to open our appetite. And then we need digestives in order to, to, to work on our extravagance in, 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 in food. Like our stuffed tummies. So we need something to help us digest. The Prophet ﷺ never had appetizers. Never did he need any digestives. ما أكل رسول الله ولا أكل في The Prophet ﷺ never ate on a table. They used to have what we call sufar. Something like a piece of cloth that they, that they would spread. Like a, a, a tablecloth. They would spread and they will sit. On the floor and eat properly. Why? Because that helps them sit properly for food. The, 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 the sunnah way of sitting for food in, in which you basically push with your, with, with your leg, your tummy, so that you will not eat your, 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 your fill. But when you sit on a table, your tummy is in a completely different position. So your consumption of food will double, if not triple. ولا أكل ما أكل على قوان ولا أكل في سكرجة. Never did he صلى الله عليه وسلم need any form of uh, appetizers. So uh, that's شرعه. سهل تستوري says that there are seven desires related to food. That's uh, uh, this believer will will have شرعه. Uh, this voracity. طمع شرعه is something related to to to, to the soul. وَطَمَعٌ and greed وَشَهْوَةٌ and desire so food is is, is, is something that is 
mentally a desire wahirsun keenness keenness like looking forward to having that food looking forward to the time when this food is served looking forward to the time of the meal waiting for it and and, and making sure that the time of food is a very sacred time that it's not broken like when it's your lunch time it's your lunch time when you so if the person doesn't have three meals a day and he doesn't have if it's the time of his food and he doesn't have it it's it's an issue while he would neglect other things that are more important so the the time of food is sacred right and this so uh, uh, greed and uh, carefulness that the person is is, is careful to the, 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 that his relation with food is a relation of hers that he is keen keenness and willingness and we mean by by ragba here that he has a crave he likes certain things liking certain things as a tabi'ah as a nature is not a problem the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to like sweet stuff the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to like specific types of food but he and he had his taste sallallahu alaihi but his taste sallallahu did not mean discrediting a type of food or wanting a type of food like he has never ever in his life asked anyone to serve him at a specific type of food why don't you serve this why don't you give us this we're looking for that he never did that sallallahu ever in his life as is in the hadith كان إذا اشتهى كان صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يذم ذواقا قط. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم never discredited any type of food. إن اشتهاه أكله. If he likes it, he will eat it. وإن لم يشتهيه تركه. If not, he will leave it. ورغبة. And then وغفلة. Heedlessness. That the food occupies the mind that makes you heedless. Heedless of what? Heedless of its harms. Heedless of what will happen uh, to you if, if you have it. As we said, someone is, has a specific uh, disease or sickness and he knows that this food will harm him but because of his desire and because of his heedless, heedlessness, when the, time, when the food is served, the person is completely heedless. He forgets all his illnesses. And after he, after he has the food, uh, this heedlessness occupies him that makes him leave it one of the things attached to the food is the habit some people have food habits and we don't need to talk about food habits so he says Sahil al-Tustur he says as for a believer the believer eats with zuhud with detachment he eats because he has to eat and then he, the Imam al-Ghazali says this is in, in most of the cases, this is the this is the situation. من الكفار من يأكل قليلا. But there are disbelievers who will eat little. Someone who is a doctor or someone who knows the dangers of of eating a lot or someone who has weak stomach and this and that. So we have this what we can call food culture, and this is what this chapter is 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 about. It's not about eating as as per eating. It's about this food culture and how can we get ourselves from being consumed and being taken. They say, وَقَدْ قِيلَ لِشَهَوَاتِ الطَّعَامِ سَبْعًا They say that there are seven appetites, seven desires related to food. Other seven desires. 
One is called الطبع, the tabi'ah, the nature, the natural disposition, what you like and what you don't like, what you're attached to. And nafs, what your nafs craves for. So what you like and then what you crave for. And then العين, والفم, والأذن, والأنف, like the looking at the food. <laughs> looking at the, 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 the shape of the food and how it's presented. Liking to look at the food. If it was not uh, important, people wouldn't have spent so much time in presenting the food, making sure that the table looks very neat, even though it doesn't stay. And al-fam, tasting, tasting the food. Because once it has gone beyond the, your throat, it doesn't have any taste anymore. The whole enjoyment is in that. They say that old Roman fighters used to enjoy the food a lot, that they used to eat grilled meat, and then they will drink a lot of alcohol, a lot of wine, to, to puke it, and then will eat again. To empty their stomachs and then eat again. Just to feel the pleasure of chewing it and having it. Because they knew that this is the pleasure. Al-Udhun, listening to it. And subhanAllah, in... Uh, there is a book written by a man called Abu Turab al-Zahiri, a scholar from, originally from India, but he lives in the land of Hijaz, a linguist. And in, in, in one of the, of, of the articles that he writes about some Bedouins, a, a, kind of a, a greedy Bedouin, he describes the best sounds that he has, like the sound of, 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 of frying something, or the sound of baking something, and this and that. Al-Hariri in his maqamat, a great linguist as well, maqamat al-Hariri, he, there is a, a lengthy poems in one of his maqamat, one of his encounters, where he mentions that Abu Zayd uh, al-Suruji, who is the hero of his maqamat, describes what types of food does he like, and what types of sounds that he loves. He loves an ash'ab, we know in, uh, in, Arab, in Arab history, a man called Ash'ab, who is known to be a very greedy, uninvited guest who will be in weddings and banquets and without being invited. And that he, when they said to him, How strong is your, uh, is your, uh, is your greed? And he said, Like when a, a bride is presented to her groom, like it's a wedding day, that will be the day of my Eid. Like when a bride is, is, is presented to her groom, that would be the, the day of my Eid. Why? Because he knows that there is a food. He, there is food. And he said, they said to him, what's the best sound? He said, the best sound is the sound of, 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 of what is being uh, uh, fried. The fried food, when they fry it. So some people have this uh, attachment. And then Al-Anf, the smell. And we know that the enjoyment of smelling food and being around food is something that people, that, that's a desire. And then finally, hunger. Being really hungry. And we will know when to differentiate between hunger that is original and hunger that is desire. Al-Ghazali will tell us the difference between both. So the last is for the believer. Or the, this what should a believer be like? When he eats, he eats because he is genuinely hungry. But not because he just wants to smell the food. So 
in this situation, food will not be occupying too much of our time. Um, there is one or two questions. Um, 